This podcast is a part of the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. All right. Good morning, everybody. Steve Brandy here sitting in for Linda Bolton, Newsmakers on 1490 WDAN. And right now, Larry Baum, the Vermilion County Board Chairman. And Larry, when they asked me to sit in for Linda today, you were the first person I thought of because there's been a lot going on. Is there ever not a busy time in Vermilion County? Well, it seemed like there used to be uh, a non-busy time, but uh, we've kept pretty busy here with some of the different projects. Steve, of course, you've you've been to most of our meetings uh, here as of late and got to see some of the different projects we're working on. So I know we'll touch upon uh, most of those here this morning. Well, what I wanted to start with first, Larry, was the project that's been going on, and that has been among the Finance and Personnel Committee, bringing Vermilion County salaries for Vermilion County personnel up to par so we can keep good people working in Vermilion County. And really the way you explained it to me, uh, one of my news stories was you go up and down Vermilion and you see what new businesses are paying, what salaries are being offered, and you see what the county is up against. And you think, okay, we've got to make sure we've got our salaries in line to keep good people. And the way you're doing it in the Finance and Personnel Committee, one department at a time, slowly, gradually, as you explained to me, let's get this done and get it done right and set a precedent for whenever it might have to be done one or two decades down the road. Well, right. You know, there are two things we, we've noticed during budget time. Uh, the first was being that we've, we've let some of our offices gain some disparity from other ones. And not necessarily saying those raises weren't warranted or weren't a good thing, but as a large as an employer as we are, sometimes we just don't see how that affects department by department until you look at the big picture all in one. And that's kind of what we were forced to this year, which I, we were forced in a good way in, to do that. But uh, secondly, I think it's just the world we, we're living in right now. As you mentioned, uh, uh, you know, Vermilion County has always been a great place to work, great benefits, great retirement. Uh, but it's government work, right, and local government work. So uh, the pay to entry level and even some of the lower levels has always been rather low. And as we see now in the way the world we're living in today, the cost of living increases, inflation. And uh, as you mentioned, driving up and down Vermilion Street, as uh, we do each and every day, when I see a restaurant that's paying $17 an hour, and, and bless those that are doing that because we need that service industry as well. But we're asking some of our staff members uh, to do some uh, pretty detailed jobs, and they're dealing with uh, the taxpayer's livelihood, whether it's somebody in the court, the court systems, or it's somebody uh, you know in the treasurer's office with our millions of dollars, or it's somebody that's dealing with uh, everyone's property taxes. We're asking them to do some detailed work, and the work needs to be done and done right. And so, uh, but we're losing employees because they can go to some of those different places and, and gain two, three, sometimes four or five dollars an hour more. And uh, so we're losing good people and we need to keep them here. We want them here. We want them to work and, and live here in Vermilion County, right? They make their money here. They spend their money here. And uh, so it all comes back in essence. Uh, but we need to uh, just do something. And our elected officials are second to none. I will say they're the best in the state. I might be a little biased about that. But our elected official department heads have made some strides over the past decade to uh, bring some technology in. And just, uh, you know, make the jobs, uh, I don't want to say easier on their staff, but uh, they've asked their staff to do more at the same time. And we need to uh, reward that, if you will. And uh, at the same time, keep the taxpayers in mind as we do that. 
uh, and keep it uh, to a minimum because I think I explained to you in one of your news stories, the last thing I want as a county board chair 10 years from now uh, to have to be faced with something we're facing now. So if we can do it and do it right this time, uh, then, of course, just the different uh, negotiations that happen each and every uh, contract uh, will help take care of that. And hopefully nobody else will be faced with this uh, moving down the road. But, uh, you know, when you work with a $40 million-plus budget like we do, uh, it's sometimes, uh, you know, we're looking more at the bottom line. And we've done very good, starting with uh, Chairman Marin before Mike was state representative. Of course, he was chair of the county board, and, and he made some great strides in getting more of the money back into the general fund surplus. And I'm proud that we've continued to do that during my tenure here on the uh, county board and as the chair. Uh, so we've made some good progress, and we're just going to plug along. But uh, we'd like to see this done, as I think I told you the other day, just early spring uh, to get this uh, these salaries up and amend our budget and, uh, and reward our employees and keep them here. Yeah, that'll be a great moment when a final package of adjusted Vermilion County salaries goes before the final whole Vermilion County board. You know, if I'm not mistaken, Larry, it was exactly two years ago this week, this very week. I was working in the Joliet area doing some radio work in Morris at the time, and that was when the COVID pandemic hit us. One day it was, okay, we'll do this, this, this. The next day all the basketball tournaments were canceled and the whole world shut down. And during that time, was there one particular moment where a director of a county department came to you and said, help. On top of this pandemic, we're losing people. I can't find good people. Was it a culmination of things or was there one moment that said to you, aha, we need to do something? Well, each when the the um, human resources department posts a job uh, or a job opening comes, it comes to my desk last uh, to make sure that it's okay to be posted and that everything falls in line with salaries and, and so forth. And we, you know, we just I just noticed it in some departments, and it's not the department, uh, but they're they're coming through. They were coming through more regularly uh, because it was an entry level department, and they were spending more time and more efforts training new employees that would just stay for a little while and then move forward. A lot of them move forward within the county because now they're seeing these job postings every day, and they say, well, I could go over here and make $3,000 more. And so we've seen a lot of interdepartment uh, jumps from employees, but then we lose them also outside. So that's uh, it's not just limited to that. But when I see those start coming through more regularly, that's when you realize that something's wrong there or we're just a stopping point for an employee. And, and uh, I think if, if some of the young people today will look at the big picture and see the retirement package, IMRF, great retirement plan uh, for those uh, in Illinois. Uh, that, that'll that mean a lot moving down the road. But I think, you know, right now in, in, in some of the, uh, the new hires, if you will, you know, they look at the bottom line and they want to see what, what they're going to be able to spend uh, that month or that year. And they're not worried about 30 years down the road. So we need to, to help them out there. But, you know, the, the pand- when the pandemic started, Steve, I remember that well. Uh, of course, when it really hit hard and things started shutting down was uh, the same week as the uh, local election. Uh, so if you remember that, I'm sure you're reporting on that. That made things uh, uh, quite contentious because nobody really knew where, where we were going to go. 
show that next week. Uh, it was uh, about spring break time, if I remember right, right around the 17th of March when, when we started shutting things down. And uh, we were proud to never really shut down the county. Uh, you know, we locked some buildings down, and, and but our employees were still there. Staff was still there. And uh, county business moved forward. But again, it, as you said, it'll be nice when the full county board gets that uh, package in their hand. And I think the Finance Committee has done great at working with the department heads. So uh, we're going to be really proud of this when it comes out. Yeah, Larry, you're right. It was more middle March when it was NCAA tournament time when everything shut down. And my I, favorite time of the year, Yeah, too. My, my favorite time, too. I was in. I, I had a basketball broadcast scheduled in Morris that was canceled. So at this time, two years ago, it was late February. We knew something was coming, but we didn't know quite what. And that leads to my next topic. Two things kind of related. Cities are dealing with this. Danville, of course. Counties are dealing with this COVID relief money that is available to Vermilion County. Now, as Ricky Williams Jr., Danville's mayor, always reminds us, there are things this money can be used for and things it cannot be used for. Now, what about at the county level? More restrictions, less restrictions? How would you describe that? Well, it's it's ever-changing because they, when it first came out, I mean, it was very, very limited on what you can use it on. And then they just continue to make changes in that as it moves on weekly, almost. There's changes in there. Uh, but no, the, I mean, the city in the county, or we're all the same. We all have to play by that same rule. Uh, we were at $14 million in funds that the county received. Uh, I think the city was about 10 more million than than, than we are. But uh, we've, we've looked at different ways. Uh, of course, we want to take care of the county finances first. Uh, we were lucky enough that early on in this pandemic, we've seen uh, what what could happen. And that's what we looked at with our finance team was, you know, let's look at worst case scenarios. Let's look at a 25, 50, and a 75% reduction of state reimbursements, tax, you know, uh, sales tax numbers. And oddly enough, we fared well through the pandemic. There was, there were, there's no need to use our COVID funds uh, to offset something that we missed out on because we didn't really miss out on because where we might have lost it somewhere else, we picked it up somewhere else. And uh, so we're grateful for that. But moving forward with our money, we've put a lot into technology and uh, putting some into the mental health uh, over at the health department. But technology has been our main point right now. Uh, One, it's going to be something the county's going to have to do anyway, whether it's this year or a a five- or ten-year plan. So that will help ease the burden of local tax dollars. But uh, we're also... I uh, wanting to reach out to, to some of the outlying areas of the county with that money. Uh, you've got some smaller villages and, and towns that uh, they've received something because everybody received a little bit of something, but uh, maybe it wasn't enough really to kickstart the project they needed or to finish the project they needed. So there's been some public safety things that I've worked on um, or I'm currently working on with uh, the uh, village president over in Bismarck, uh, Mayor Brown, also uh, Mayor Porter over in Potomac and I have been working on a project that, that we'll probably be looking at here down the road. Uh, I've had some trustees from the village of Oakwood reach out with a project that they're going to need a little bit of help on. So, uh, you know, it's it's the county money. And if we can go out and help some of those outlying areas with that money, I think uh, they would be very grateful. And then some back, uh, you know, some service industry throughout the uh, county as well, whether it be uh, CASA or the Salvation Army or uh, the Hooves for Hope Gateway Services have came to us with some requests. And so I think once we take care of the county needs with that money, 
uh, then we'll be able to go and, and hopefully start helping some of those outlying areas. Steve Brandy with Larry Bond, Vermilion County Board Chairman, uh, sitting in for Linda Bolton on 1490 WDAN's Newsmakers Program. Okay, we're going to have a salary package before the Vermilion County Board in the spring. Now, this COVID relief funds, that will be voted on in the spring, you think, or what's going to happen? Well, right now they, you know, they've uh, we've set a threshold of what the county board allows myself to spend. Uh, so we we we've spent some funds, as I said, through the technology, mainly mental health. But as far as uh, some of those bigger ticket items, it'll go through the county board. But it'll you'll probably start seeing it come through a few requests at a time. It won't mm-hmm. just be one big package coming at them all at once. I think uh, working on the salaries and then, and then this uh, ARPA money is a lot for everybody to digest and swallow at the same time. So I think we'll just it'll probably come uh, in smaller packages. Now let's remember that when we're talking COVID relief money, ARPA money, what's that? stand for, by the way? It's a American Rescue uh, Plan Act, I believe. That there, sounds there, good. There we go. Got to remember those acronyms. All right. And, and there also, Steve, there's no huge urgency to spend that money because it's you have until December of 2024 right. to spend it. So it isn't something that we just have to spend now. But certainly you want to spend it because what you don't, they'll take back. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, I think, where we come back to helping the outlying areas of the county. Let's talk about something that was proposed for spending for ARPA money, and that was Mr. Mike Davis of the Land Bank, Central Illinois Land Bank Authority, and he proposed late last year, last fall, $500,000 for the project would be purchase homes, or not purchase, but if you have somebody living in a home that's in bad shape, they'd have some money to fix up the home before it becomes decrepit and has to be torn down. So you keep them in their home, you keep the home on the county tax bill, and everything stays stable. But then we started to learn a lot of people don't understand what a land bank is. I'm still learning myself. Kind of would you describe it as when you establish a land bank, it's a middleman purchasing land and then selling it to somebody? Or what does a land bank do? Why are they created? Yeah, there's many different um, aspects to the land bank. You know, what what we primarily here in Vermilion County seen the land bank used for is to help. Again, we go back to some of these smaller villages and towns is to help them get rid of some of their blight property. Uh, I think that was that was one of my main concerns when the land bank was started is uh, I wanted to see some blight property brought down. Uh, my home district, of course, is District 1, which encompasses uh, Hoopston, Rossville, East Lynn, Rankin, and uh, Henning area. And that's something that we've fought with in our neighborhoods is blight property. Uh, a vacant house that sat there for some you know, 10, 15 years, and um, nobody wants to claim ownership or ownership is in California and uh, what we can do to take those down. So we've been successful on that that aspect of the land bank. But, you know, what what Mr. Davis had brought forth to the county board is yet another aspect of the land bank is how they could they could and would be the middleman in this project. And I believe it was it was presented as the. home rehab program yes. is, is how um, Mike Davis had uh, presented it to the board. And again, it's it's a great plan. It's a great feel-good plan, but uh, I just think there's a lot more questions uh, at the county level. I mean, that's a huge request. Uh, the requests I'm getting from some of these villages and towns and in different service uh, uh, industry is, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, $50,000. And that was a half a million dollars that uh, Mr. Davis was asking for. And hey, I think another thing that didn't sit well with maybe some board members uh, was that 100000 of that $500,000 would go to administration cost, which, again, I'm 
I'm sure it takes a lot of details to uh, to go through and make sure that all these this program runs and runs efficiently and is reported back to us, so then we can report it back to the government because that's part of part of our job as well with these ARPA money is to uh, report uh, each and every quarter to the to the government on what we've done with it, and uh, that way they know it fits within the parameters. In this in this project would, but again, uh, this would be limited to to you know gutters, roofs, sidings, porches, uh, steps, etc. So again, I think it's it's a worthwhile project, and the land bank could be a facilitator. I just think the county board needed to to be a little more educated than the twenty minute presentation. And uh, there's also been you know some other projects that the land bank's been working on, uh, and and that worked on here in the county that that brought up a little bit of controversy with that. Uh, so. This has just kind of been on the back burner for the land bank, but I think if if and when the county board would entertain it, it would probably, at least my feelings would be, it'd have to be on a little bit smaller level uh, than the half a million to make sure that it's warranted because, uh, you know, I think I've had one person reach out uh, since the discussion had started about uh, if if this was solidified yet and, and something they could apply for, so uh, and I'll pass that on to the land bank as well. But we plan to to continue to talk and and see where we can help. And so people understand, land banks start and develop in different ways, kind of around the state. You've got the South Suburban Land Bank up south of Chicago that covers a whole region, and they that's what they usually cover regions. But in this case, this land bank, I understand, was created as an initiative to help Vermilion County when Mr. Marin was the county board chairman, but then more regions got involved. Funding comes in that allows other regions, so Decatur gets involved, Champaign gets involved, Rantoul gets involved. Now you have a whole different animal. The whole region is involved, and that's really why there's some growing pains here, right? Who's right. responsible? Where do you go from here? Yeah, you know, we started uh, with, it was, the, was the Vermilion County Land Bank, and then a couple years back, that's when uh, folks from Champaign County and then Rantoul and, and Decatur uh, joined in. And that was primarily because that's, as you said, alluded to there, that's how the state awards grant funding through IDA and uh, other sources is to regions. Uh, they thought that that would be a little bit easier play. But, you know, so far, to rewind a little bit, Vermillion County has been the only county. Uh, that has uh, put any real money into this land bank. And it's not just been under uh, Mr. Davis's executive director time, but yet it was, you know, back when we started the land bank, Pat O'Shaughnessy was our local executive director, and uh, he had one part-time employee that helped him out. And uh, uh, Mr. O'Shaughnessy did it out of the goodness of his heart. And uh, so that was always always a, a great thing right here at home. But as uh, Pat seen it growing, he said, you, you know, you just need a full-time executive director, and uh, and that's where we had uh, hired Mike Davis in and then expanded it. But, uh, you know, like you said, some growing pains. I think it's just something that, uh, we're, that we're all new to. So we'll, uh, we'll get there one day, but uh, it's something that we'll continue to look at. But right now we're just, you know, with the American Rescue Fund plans, we just want to take care of our count, Vermilion County needs at the moment and uh, – then we'll move forward out into some of the outlying areas and some of the outlying organizations like the Land Bank or CASA or uh, Salvation Army or any of them. You know, something that happened, Larry, uh, it was already underway when I came back to work here. It was concluded recently, but it was a great lesson for any government class, for any civics class, power to the people, and that was 
Vermillion County becoming a Second Amendment sanctuary county, I believe, number 68 in the state. And every meeting I was going to after I was hired here, you had the people talking about it. We want this to happen. Finally, a vote happened. It was fine-tuned a lot. It was a little different from a Second Amendment protective uh, piece of legislation for the county about 11 years ago. Was this not an example of how it works? People come forth and say, county board, we want this. The county board gets educated about it, and pretty soon you have a solution one way or another, and it was passed. Yeah, it was it was great. You're exactly right, too. That was, that'd be a, been a great thing for uh, a government class to watch because the people came in and gave us what they wanted, and, uh, you know, some of us uh, felt comfortable with it, some didn't, and so we fine-tuned it and uh, set out. I had several meetings with uh, leaders of their of their local group, and uh, we, uh, we came to an agreement on some just wording changes, really, is what it was. I know you, you used the word sanctuary, and we had kind of pulled that from that, uh, and so when it was passed, it was called the Vermilion County Second Amendment Preservation Act, mm-hmm. um, and just because it, that word sanctuary means something different to different people. And I mean, it just, you can, that word can be used uh, either direction. It's almost like a state, How do the lawyers yeah. interpret it? Right? Like, a, like the state legislature, right? Yep. You shall or you may. Yeah. What does that mean? So that's when we just pulled the word sanctuary. But, you know, it just merely reaffirmed that uh, we stand behind the Second Amendment, the right to bear arms by law-abiding citizens, and uh, that we would support any measure that a, a sitting sheriff would see fit uh, to protect those law-abiding citizens. And uh, again, it was it was great. It worked uh, hard with. Uh, it was spearheaded by Pastor Phil Jackson, and Mr. Jack Land, uh, both Vermillion County residents. So, um, you know, it was it was very fruitful. A lot of conversation, but at the end of the day. Uh, it passed, and I think it it passed by something that both groups were comfortable with. Hey, let's talk about something that came just in the past week, the press conference over at the Treasurer's Office and State Rep Mike Marin and his proposal of House Bill 4830 in Springfield, which is for a inspector general for every county around the state of Illinois, hopefully in the bill by the start of next year. But we talked about at the press conference what is the need for an inspector general and moreover site in every county. And as you told me that day, there are some things we can get going in the county now. Whether or not this bill ever passes in Springfield, we can make some changes now. What kind of reception are you getting to Representative Marin's idea or your ideas uh, for county oversight? You know, everybody I've talked to this week has been very receptive and very open uh, to it. Again, we all uh, want to do what's right with the taxpayer dollars, uh, whether it's the a pack of pencils we buy or uh, you know a $300,000 mapping unit that we buy for the county we want to we want to buy those items we want to do them and we want to do them the right way and uh, I think you know as we said in the press conference the other day a lot of that starts at home uh, and if we can um, make some proof here on the smaller scale that this is needed statewide uh, then perhaps that will help Representative Marin get some traction in his bill at the same time but uh, there's just so much gray area again we go back to some state statutes that that empower some of our local officials uh, or, or rather that lack empowerment of some of our local officials when it comes to purchasing and different things like that. So that's really uh, was our main focus on why we wanted to start ensuing uh, some of these projects like that. And of course there was the how it's going to be funded issue. They're working on that in Springfield. But for an inspector general for Vermilion County, you'd probably want somebody already here who knows the area. You've probably got some people in the back of your head right now. I'm not going to tell you, ask you to tell who, but Certainly, you'd want somebody with local connections. 
connections to have a job like that. Right, and I, I can think of 10 people off the top of my head right now. All 10 of them would probably tell me no. <laughs> Uh, because, you know, they're retired bankers or lawyers or, uh, uh, but, uh, yeah, again, you, you want somebody, I think, that uh, would would know the area and, and know the certain situations you get in because that uh, that's all part of the projects, uh, you know, locally is, uh, is uh, something that uh, uh, is different than if you went north of I-80. Mm-hmm. Obviously, projects there are on a larger scale, so you wouldn't, I don't think, want somebody from that uh, Chicago area, or you go down to the south St. Louis area, it'd be hard to hire somebody from those regions and expect them to understand, uh, because although we're not small, but we are compared to them, right, how Small Town USA works. Hey, before we go, we're clo- we're recording this toward the end of February and starting Monday the 28th, uh, the Vermilion County Courthouse is going to have an optional mask policy. Uh, Secretary of State offices go optional mask next week. What about at the county administration building? What's the policy there now? Is that going to be uh, the end of the indoor mandate following what uh, the governor called for, or what do you get? We yeah, we pretty well follow what the courthouse does. So when the judge uh, released his orders uh, this past week of, of uh, the the mask policy in the courthouse, uh, we our other county buildings will just follow suit with that. I know the health department kind of had their own mitigations as well on, on how they'll move forward. So I think they'll post it on their website at vchd.org. But uh, yeah, again, we certainly encourage, say, if somebody wants to wear one, they're always more than welcome to. Uh, but And when you get into the specific offices, that's totally at the leisure of the department head on how they want to operate their office. And let's close with this. Speaking of the courthouse, I don't think I gave this enough publicity, but we got the press release recently that Vermillion County Court received a $303,000 technology modernization grant. Vermillion County Presiding Judge Thomas O'Shaughnessy announcing it. And that's great because when you can improve the technology, technology in your local courthouse for so many different things. Yes, that is a great piece of news. You know, uh, COVID taught us a lot of things at the courthouse, and uh, the judge and his staff and our IT department had worked very hard on uh, making some upgrades already, but we kind of uh, mirrored what had happened at the federal courthouse in Urbana with uh, some of their technology upgrades. So the judge and members of our IT team had went over there, and then when the AOIC had that grant available, uh, we applied, not thinking that we would get everything we asked for. As a matter of fact, the judge was pleasantly surprised when we got everything that was asked for uh, dollar-wise. But it'll be, as a matter of fact, that's what we were working on uh, this week a lot was uh, just some of those uh, technology upgrades and and starting RFPs and bids. So it's going to be some exciting times there at the courthouse. Maybe not exciting for jurors because nobody wants to serve jury duty, right? But it'll be exciting for uh, uh, our staff and the judge's staffs as well as visiting attorneys to our courthouse too. It'll It'll be very helpful to them. And the final change there starting March 21st. Again, the order of the Illinois Supreme Court, you will be allowed to bring cell phones and electronic devices into the Vermillion County Courthouse, but they must come in on silent mode. You can only use them in certain commons areas that do not cause a disturbance. But when I see somebody dropped off for a court appearance and they were counting on using their cell phone to call their ride to pick them up because they didn't have a car available, this seems to be a good compromise. I just hope it works out. I do too. I have some reservations about it personally. Um, but uh, we'll see how it works. Again, uh, as long as uh, the rules that apply are followed, uh, then I think it'll be an okay thing. But, again, it'll just be something that court uh, staff and personnel will have to keep an eye on, I'm sure. That's right. Everybody's got to step up to their responsibility and respect 
this, appreciate this, you know, but do not take advantage of it. Larry Bond, chairman of the Vermilion County Board, thank you. Been a pleasure. 25 minutes went awful fast. All, all Anytime, Steve. Thank you. Steve Brady sitting in for Linda Bolton on 1490 WDAN's Newsmakers, and we'll talk to you soon. You've been listening to the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. For more, visit newhoffmedia.com.